Hello everyone and welcome to this Hempson's podcast on commissioning primary care. My name is Ross Clark, I'm a partner in the primary care team and along with my partners Justin Cumberledge and Alison Oliver, we advise commissioners and providers on all aspects of primary care. I'm going to look at the health and care bill and the implications that has for commissioning primary care and a few other topics for uh, commissioning primary care. Before I do that, can I take you back to 2014 and the five-year forward view? That set up, if you recall, accountable care organisations and for all sort of out of hospital care, community care of, of health and social care, it proposed two models. One was the PACS, the primary and acute care system, which was sort of top down with everything organised at or around a hospital environment with spokes out into the uh, community. And it was also paraphrased as an employed model for primary care where GPs could or would be invited to become sort of employees of the sort of trust um, and a sort of trust-led model. The alternative was the multi-speciality community provider or MCP model, which was bottom-up with everything at based at or around GP practices and led by GPs working with in, integrated care teams um, to provide care at or around GP practices. And that was sort of paraphrased as the continuation of independent contractor status. Now, that's relevant because I think we may see a return or possibly see those come to life again. So let me take you into the health and care bill and how it may affect um, commissioning of primary care. The first keynote point is the abolition of competition between NHS organisations, which is a significant um, uh, event in itself because, because since the Health and Social Care Act of 2012, we've had competition even between NHS organisations. So that's been abolished. Uh, the, the bill is also setting up integrated care systems instead of accountable care organisations. And these integrated care systems will operate at three levels. There'll be the system level, which is the whole of the integrated care system, a population of approximately one to three million, and that will focus on strategy. The next level will be place level, which is broadly around a city or large town size, half a million population. And that will be focusing on the design of local services. And finally, there's the neighbourhood level, which will be around a PCN footprint, 50,000 patients, and that will be focusing on delivery. Now, from the bill, the integrated care system consists of two entities, the integrated care board, ICB, and the integrated care partnership, ICP. The integrated care board will be the commissioning body. It is going to be charged with powers to secure the provision of primary medical services and it will assume CCGs. CCGs will morph into the ICB. It will hold the finances and NHS will, by direction, delegate relevant functions, including primary care, to the integrated care board. The integrated care partnership, ICP, is to be a joint committee established by the integrated care board and each of the responsible local authorities in the area. It's required to prepare an integration strategy, an integrated care strategy, to address health, public health and social care needs, um, which the ICB will have to have regard to. Now, note it isn't, it doesn't have to follow that strategy, but it has to have regard to. Um, and that's really the only function that we can see so far of the ICP to prepare this strategy. Timing is tight. The integrated care systems are to become statutory bodies in, in by April 2022. Um, there's several notable issues to be addressed 
before then. One's the long-term settlement of health, uh, social care. Uh, and we've just had an announcement from the government on that and, 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 and that's being progressed, but that, that, that certainly needs to, to move alongside an integrated system. And also the long-term plan to address workforce shortages and funding. Boundaries could be an issue as well because the bill does envisage that more than one local authority will be involved and therefore the original idea with accountable care organisations was they would be coterminous with local authority boundaries, which isn't necessarily the case for the integrated care systems. So what does this kind of mean for commissioning? Well, it's clear the integrated care board will be the commissioning body, um, but who does it commission from? Now, the integrated care partnership sounds like it's a provider organisation and the anticipation is that integrated care partnership would not only consist of representatives from the board, from the local authorities, but also all the providers in the area. But that isn't clear. There's also talk, although it's not in the bill, of, an, uh, of place based partnerships so that around each place, remember that's your city's sort of half a million kind of uh, population, these partnerships will evolve where all of the providers, primary care, foundation trusts, mental health providers, community services, third sector organisations providing things like addiction support, etc., and social care, will all form a partnership and collaborate and integrate to provide health and social care or design health and social care at that level. So it's not clear, but, but it, it looks as though the integrated care board will commission at that level, the place-based partnership level. Now, remember what I mentioned about um, the abolition of competition. That means that NHS organisations can um, contract with other NHS organisations without the need for a procurement process. Now, when you take that into account, you think about the place-based partnership and your foundation trust is probably going to be the, the, the vehicle of choice for uh, a contract to be uh, procured from the Integrated Care Board because there would no, not be a need for a procurement process and that contract could be awarded to is going to have a strong role maybe as a lead contractor in that place-based partnership. Now that takes us back to what I began with with the five-year forward view in the PACs and the MCP and you can see these models coming to light again. Is it going to be an FT-led system at place and neighbourhood level? Will it hold the contract? Will it be a PAC system or will it be a, an MCP system so that although the FT may hold the contract, actually it's, it, it, decisions are made and care is delivered much more aligned to PCNs and practices uh, at, at a practice level. That's not clear and that will become clear because there's lots of guidance still to come out. Um, but th th those will be the, the, that's the key question for commissioners is, is, is where where will control take place for, 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 for GPs? They need to look at will they form together to have use their GP federations or PCNs to be representative bodies. Now, moving on from the bill, um, primary care networks, the commissioners have a role there, but there's um, not been anything significant recently other than the um, recent change in the policy and guidance manual in February 2021 now allows the subcontracting of non-clinical services. Clinical services could always be subcontracted as part of a GMS contract, but there's an assurance framework around that the commissioners work to to decide whether to object to the uh, subcontracting. But now that non-clinical services can be subcontracted, it's made clear that that requires the prior written approval of commissioners. So commissioners will be um, involved with that. Um, in terms of practice incorporations, these are another sort of current issue for commissioners. 
um, they have um, they were mentioned in the policy and guidance manual in February 21, which uh, introduced a new provision on the procedure to follow for incorporation. So more and more practices are seeking to incorporate. Now, the commissioner's role is quite clear in, in that, first of all, they need to check out the eligibility requirements and ensure that the, the company is eligible to hold a GMS or PMS. Um, and there's requirements there around, although a company limited by shares can hold it, there's requirements, strict requirements about who the shareholders uh, can be in that company. Um, the consent of the commissioner is uh, required for the incorporation, um, but there's a bit of a conflict in the policy and guidance manual provisions there. One, one says that it's a, a consent must be given by the commissioner. The other suggests it, uh, the commissioner has a right to object uh, to an incorporation on only a couple of basis, pay, uh, benefit to patients or significant risks um, of a challenge. But, but generally, the, the consent will be will be sought from the commissioner. The policy and guidance manual also introduced a, an incorporation toolkit that helps with that, the commissioner assessment framework that's made matters uh, much easier. Procurement also shouldn't be an issue with incorporations because, again, the policy and guidance manual refers to what's called a safe harbour in Regulation 72 of the Public Contracts Regulations 2015 that provides that contracts can be modified without a new procurement procedure where the new contractor replaces the original contractor as part of a universal or partial succession uh, following a corporate restructuring. So the change from a partnership into a, a, a company to incorporate a practice should provide a universal succession um, and therefore there's uh, an ability of commissioners to decide to just innovate the contract on that basis. When they come to the deeds of innovation, uh, commissioners also need to look at the important sort of controls and conditions it wishes to apply. The three main sort of provisions you would see or would expect to see if, if you're a commissioner in the deed of innovation is change of control so that consent is required for any change of control in the organisation. Uh, procurement challenges should be dealt with, although they're unlikely um, provisions should, should provide for what happens if a procurement challenge is made and also um, the consideration of having personal guarantees from the partners because a company forms a separate legal entity, it's the company that's liable and the shareholders have limited liability. So in some cases there may need to be a uh, need for personal guarantees from the partners who are becoming shareholders. Um, to finish off with um, two sort of uh, current issues, a lot of partnership disputes around and commissioners are what are, you know concerned about what they should be doing there. Uh, broadly, commissioners shouldn't get involved in partnership disputes, um, but they should keep a close eye on them in case it causes problems and liaise probably with the LMC because the LMCs often get involved with uh, disputes at practice level. But do bear in mind that they're highly confidential matters. So if the commissioner becomes aware of a dispute, it must be careful about who, who the commissioner shares that information with. Uh, failing practices, also another issue. There's a lot of problems brought, brought, brought around by COVID. And sadly, you know, in one case uh, that I dealt with a, a, a sole practitioner who died as a result of COVID and the need for interim measures. Um, there's a, a clear and obvious need for urgent intervention to, to, to put in a caretaker, GP or practice, 
Um, but, but commissioners should be aware that carries risks for that caretaker as soon as they step in. They could be occupying premises that they've got no legal right to occupy and they could find themselves as the employer of the employees under the CHUPI Transfer of Undertaking Protection of Employment Regulations. So it, it's an important time, it's a stressful time, but um, caretakers usually want some kind of indemnity from the CCG or whoever will the commissioner will be in the future, the, the, the NHS, um, the, the Integrated Care Board, for the risk of some of these liabilities. And that needs to be considered early in the in the process by, by um, commissioners. So that's a brief review of the implications of the Health and Care Bill, how it may affect commissioning and commissioners in particular, CCGs becoming part of the um, Integrated Care Board and some of the current topics. I hope you found this interesting and informative. You'll have our contact details. Should you have any questions, do please uh, contact us and we'll be happy to help. Thank you for your time.